0: On today's BSC pod, we will be recapping week three, Vikings versus Titans, everything that went down with that, and we're going to have some prediction time, make our week four NFL picks. It's always fun making the picks with Bastion here, so let's dive right into it, shall we? Let's do it, man. Alright, so to set the stage for the Week 3 matchup, the Vikings played the Tennessee Titans at historic U.S. Bank Stadium. And the outcome was a bit surprising. Uh, Much more competitive of a game than I was ever expecting going into it. But the Vikings did draw the short end of a stick yet again. So we now fall to 0-3 after a 31-30 defeat to the Tennessee Titans. And Stephen Goskowski for the Titans kicked six field goals, went 6-for-6 six six on the day. Dan Bailey even missed a field goal, and I believe the Vikings missed a two-point conversion play that basically altered the outcome of the game in favor of the Titans. And a lot of stuff went down in between, so let's dive in.
1: Yeah, so just to start off, uh, the Vikings did improve clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, on even, I mean, the defense played awful, but let's just say like the Colts are a worse team than the Titans in my opinion, and obviously we were much more competitive against the yeah. Titans, and that's mostly thanks to our offense. Mm-hmm. I told you during the game that Gary Kubiak decided to stop calling plays like he's in 1965, um, so that helped obviously. Justin Jefferson, we talked about that a lot last week, about how we need to put the ball in his hands, and we decided to do that this week, and look what happened. It just blows my mind that B.C. Johnson was the wide receiver, too, the first two weeks. Absolutely blows my mind. So, yeah, we're 0-3. Um, the team's better. Uh, our cornerbacks actually played considerably better. Only two deep balls were completed this game versus seemingly 50 in the past two weeks so i really like what i saw from jeff gladney hopefully a jeff gladney cameron dancer dancer led cornerback room can develop here in the next few weeks and actually a average cornerback room so yeah the defense is still awful vikings still sink overall what do you think
0: Yeah, I mean, well, whenever you score 30 points and you somehow still end up losing the game, it's definitely fair to say that something's going wrong on the defensive side of the football. However, I did like the fact that they were actually able to make some stops in the red area and force Tennessee to kick field goals instead of scoring touchdowns at certain instances. But still, it wasn't enough. And We're going to have to regroup yet again, 0-3, and like you were saying about Justin Jefferson, he had a really great game, seven receptions, 175 yards, and one 71-yard touchdown, Um, and I was listening to Under Center, the show that Kirk Cousins does with Mark Rosen, and he was saying, oh, we, we hit this play in practice and decided to break it out into the game, and luckily it worked, so... Hoping to see some even bigger things from Justin Jefferson moving forward, and honestly, he's probably one of the more exciting rookie playmakers that I've seen for the Vikings since probably Cordero Patterson or Percy Harvin, maybe even Randy Moss. Randy Moss's rookie year was a little bit before my time, so probably since Harvin. But I'm really excited to see what Justin Jefferson can do for this offense moving forward. Hopefully take a little bit of pressure off of Adam Thielen and I also liked how they finally mixed in Kyle Rudolph in the red area he definitely showed that he still has some skills and he's able to catch the ball and make some amazing plays especially down in the red zone so hope to see more of that moving forward and we'll just have to kind of wait and see what the defense I guess it's basically the biggest liability on the team at this point which is very ironic given the fact that Mike Zimmer's the head coach and we've basically been a defense first team the last six years and just seeing that identity shift is uh, kind of odd. But at the same time, I, I hope the offense can continue to produce at the level that they were able to against Tennessee last Sunday.
1: Yeah, a couple things you just said. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, amazing catch. He's proven that he's still a good target in the red zone this season and last season now. But mm-hmm. as far as Rudolph in the middle of the field, I don't want to see it anymore. I'm done with these two <laughs> tight end sets. Yeah, I'm so done with them. Uh, the play, I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was like a third down situation or something. And it was pretty much a must. Can Like he needed to convert that third down. And instead of throwing it downfield, we throw it into the flat to Kyle Rudolph, the yak monster, as we all know. <laughs> and what he got, like, five yards on, like, a third and 11, it's just there was no <laughs> chance in are throwing it to him. Like, why is Erb Smith not there? All right. of a sudden you have a chance of him maybe breaking a tackle and getting that third down, but it just made no sense. I'm done with Kyle Rudolph in the middle of the field. Yeah. I don't know why we're not using Irv. Like, we hammered on the fact that Justin Jefferson needed to get the ball more. And now I'm hammering on the fact that Irv Smith needs to have some more targets. Um, oh, yeah, just, absolutely. The way, the way we're utilizing him is really frustrating. And then your other point mm-hmm. about Justin Jefferson. Uh, so, yeah, like, if we want to continue, uh, if the offense wants to continue to produce the way it did this week uh, against the te- uh, against the Texans now, mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson is going to be on people's radar, and we're gonna have to, he's going to have to show us that he can put up similar numbers, obviously not 171 yards, because that's an amazing performance right. that happens to receivers maybe once in their careers. Mm. Um, so he's going to have to prove that he can still be a reliable target when he's actually on the other team's radar. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see that. He has a good opportunity against a very bad Texans defense this week, so I'm excited to see what happens.
0: Yeah, I think um, so. Bradley Roby, the Texans' number one corner, is probably going to be shadowing – Adam Thielen for most of the day, if not the whole game. So I think the opportunities for Jefferson are definitely going to be there again. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what he can do for a follow-up performance. And like you were saying, Irv Smith, where are you at? We need to see more of him in this offense. Uh, Used a second-round pick on the guy last year, and tight ends are notoriously known for taking the step year one to year two. And you kind of see it with all these tight ends like Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz. They kind of have subpar rookie seasons that I don't know what it is. It must be the learning curve from going from college to the NFL. But year two, they're supposed to make that leap. And I was more hopeful that Irv Smith would be more involved with this offense. But I hope his role continues to grow moving forward. It's going to be to the benefit of the offense, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, we keep running these screens to Dalvin Cook, and mm-hmm. they get blown up every single <laughs> time. I don't think Too we've had a single successful screen. Um, I don't get why we don't do one a little less predictable to Irv Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, give him a screen or something, man. But right. it's just the, the lack of use. When you got these young guys, you got to force feed them the ball a little bit, just to get the ball in their hands and see what right. they can do get him comfortable i don't think Er smith has hit throughout his entire career here yet this year in a couple games he's been able to get comfortable ever because we'd never really have him in the game plan other than a blocker which he is not a blocking tight end which he turned out to be actually turned out to be a really good blocking tight end but that's not what we drafted him for right and we still haven't used him in the way that we drafted him
0: definitely needs more targets and to Piggyback off what you were saying about Dalvin Cook, he probably had his best game of the season week three against Tennessee. He had over 100 yards. I think maybe one touchdown. yards. Yeah, 181.
1: 181
0: yards. Wow. So he even had more rushing yards than Derrick Henry did for the Titans. So that was probably an unexpected outcome. And usually that would favor the Vikings in the uh, win-loss column, but didn't happen this week. But Continue to feed Dalvin the ball. Let Dalvin cook cook.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's he's averaging he averaged eight point two yards per carry. He yeah. only rushed twenty two times. Wow. He got hundred eighty one yards out of that. An absolutely insane stat. Mm-hmm. And this is I wanna segue into this maybe a little bit. So after the game, Zimmer fired some big shots at the <laughs> offense, which I did not like at all, where he basically said like these are veterans and they kind of, this is just chaos, and basically just saying they lost the game for the Vikings.
0: Oh, please. Oh,
1: man, dude. What a ridiculous claim. We're, the offense basically did every single thing right that we yeah. wanted them to do. They controlled the ball on the ground. We mm-hmm. controlled the time of possession. We made big plays, scored 30 points, and we still lost. When you have 181 rushing yards from your running back, yeah, and 175 receiving yards from a single wide receiver, there's no excuse. The, the, the defense has no excuse at that point.
0: Right. Well, he what he might have been getting at was probably the final possession of the game. So to put That's a little... That's what he was getting at. Yeah, the, to put it in a little bit of perspective. Uh, so the Vikings get the ball. They're down 31 to 30. Minute 44 left on the clock, which is ample time for basically... Any NFL offense that can function somewhat competently and we get the ball and I think second down they had a bad snap so they had to fall on it 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage so it was third and 25 or something like that so the Titans do like a three-man rush somehow still get pressure on Cousins and he has to throw the ball away, so it's then, like, what, 4th and 24. So he throws up a Hail Mary, Adam Thielen's kind of in the area. I think he even got his hands on the ball, but...
1: He, he had possession of that ball, and then it got ripped away from him at the last yeah. second as he was falling to the ground.
0: Yeah, so that that entire sequence of events was just, uh, like, watching bad news bears. And, and honestly, it just kind of makes me question... Cousins clutch factor, does he still have it? Did he ever really have it? It seemed like he did at times last season, like when we won the playoff game in New Orleans, that was all basically Kirk Cousins making throws and making plays to win that game. And this year we just we don't really see that in him or any part of this team really, but it's it's just frustrating.
1: Yeah, it, it was the most frustrating thing I've ever seen. And I think most Vikings fans at about halfway through the fourth quarter, even before that, kind of were seeing how the way things were going and realized we weren't going to win this game. Uh, and it came true. We didn't win. But that last drive, man, oh, my God. I've never seen an O-line get obliterated by a three-man pass rush worse in my entire life. It was absolutely horrendous to watch. And I almost I, right. like, I just laughed to myself as it was going on. And about Cousins' clutch factor, I I don't I think that's an overrated thing to say that he's lost it because no quarterback is going to be clutch every single time they're in a two-minute situation. It's just it, you can't do it. The whole point of that is that it's yeah. extremely hard to pull it off. So no one can do it every time, especially when your O line is that bad. It's like they just gave up and wanted to go home or something. So I can't – I don't blame it on Cousins except for that box snap maybe. Maybe it wasn't ready. Maybe Bradbury snapped at the wrong time. Who knows what happened. You can put the blame a little bit on him there for sure. But, I mean, this is my problem. Again, with with Zimmer taking the shot at the offense, we were in like a fourth and short situation around midfield – and we decided and the offense was driving too. We had a good drive up till that point. We could have went for it and put the game away. Zimmer decides to punt. And then his defense lets up all those yards, let them into field goal range. And the only reason that last drive on the offense even existed was because of the miraculously bad play calling by the Titans. They were deciding to pass the ball around when they could have ran down the clock to zero seconds and kicked the field goal and the game would have been over. So it was a miracle <laughs> in and of, in of itself that the Vikings even got the ball back. But the fact is that the defense of the people, they let up that game. They gave it away. And the game shouldn't have even went on after that defensive drive there because, like I said, the play calling by the Titans was just very questionable, leaving mm-hmm. the Vikings with the minute and a half left on the clock. It was just yeah. a, I, I – I, I can't just – it is the defense's fault in my eyes.
0: Yeah, well, like you said, quarterbacks can't execute 100% of the time in the two minute drill, but there are certain quarterbacks in this league where you kind of bank on them getting it done, like the Russell Wilsons, the Patrick Mahomes, the Tom Bradys of the world. They're, when you put the ball in their hands down by a point with a minute 44 left, they're going to win the game. And I just don't know if I can put Kirk Cousins in that tier anymore. And I don't know if I really ever could have, but. It's just uh, it's frustrating when you see your team get into these winnable situations and they don't get it done, but I digress. I'm still on the tank for Trevor Bandwagon all the way. We're 0-3 at this point. Last week, we were 0-2, and I think both of us expressed our thoughts on the future of the quarterback position for the Vikings and how we need to take another shot at it, but We'll uh, we'll move on from this game and we're 0-3 and the events that took place after the game are even more interesting and newsworthy, I would say. So the Titans are basically the first team in the NFL to have a COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, I think eight people, now it's up to 10 people on their team, both coaches and players, have tested positive for covid 19 so like i said first widespread outbreak among any nfl teams through the first now going on four weeks of the season and i'm honestly surprised something like this didn't happen sooner but the vikings as a result of this had to shut down their practice facility tco bar and grill until thursday so they didn't get into the building until yesterday And they still have to go play a game on Sunday on the road at Houston.
1: Yeah, if we were a good team, I'd be really frustrated with this.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But, like, I'm kind of still mostly for tanking. Yeah. So, I can't, like, be – I'm not super upset about it. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to treat it like they're going to practice on Saturday now. So, they're at least going to get three days in. It's still not as good as five. But – Uh, yeah, they're gonna, I mean, it is what it is. I'm not with this team. I'm not really sure an extra day would have really made us any better or worse for the wear, uh, against the Texans. It's still really frustrating though. Just, I feel like you got coaches who have their face mask off for half a second during the game. They're getting fined $250,000 or something. Right. And, I feel like I feel like that Vikings should get something for this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like yeah. they should get something, like a throw them a seventh round pick or something. Because we are the our season's getting put in jeopardy because apparently the Texans or the Titans didn't really follow protocol all that well. Right. So, yeah, it's yeah, a frustrating situation for sure.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of like when you were in school and it's like one bad kid does something and the whole class gets punished for it. Well, that that's what the Vikings are essentially getting in this particular set of circumstances and then so yeah, the Titans roll in, they basically know that they're not following the protocols and they go play the Vikings, expose the Vikings to it potentially. Luckily, the Vikings have had zero positive tests since this all happened. But yeah, like you said, it, it could have potentially jeopardized things for the Vikings moving forward. Doesn't look like it's going to, at least in the near future. But on the flip side of this, so the Titans said immediately after this they were shutting down their facility until Saturday. And then after that, the NFL stepped in and postponed. The Titans game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So now the Titans are on their bye week along with the Steelers. So they both get earlier bye weeks now. And I believe the game was rescheduled to October 25th. So that's three weeks away, week seven. And then Baltimore's bye week gets altered from week uh, eight to week seven to basically adjust for this postponement. So Ramifications that are beyond Tennessee here with the Vikings, with Baltimore, with Pittsburgh. This whole thing is spreading around the league, at least the outcome of it so far. It's already affected four different teams at this point.
1: Yeah, and the Vikings, as of right now, the Vikings are getting the worst of it, so... Originally, they postponed it till Monday night, but then the Titans kept having new cases pop up, so then mm. they just had to shut it down until a later date, as you said. Yeah. Uh, so now the Vikings are the only team that's really affected by this in the stance that we lose practice, which is just funny to me. Of course, right. it's the Vikings. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but who knows? Do The Titans, with all the players that are starting to get infected now, uh, they, those players are going to be quarantined for two weeks and they probably won't even be back. They'll have to play without a lot of players now in their next game uh, in a week from now. I don't know who they're playing, but, yeah, yeah they're going to – that's going to really mess up their season too, like as far as losing all these players for an extended amount of time. And the Vikings I – mean, I mean, I guess you and me are, it would almost be okay if the Vikings had an outbreak and lost a lot of key players because tank for Trevor. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't think it would have been the worst thing in the world at this point. Uh, we've, we're have already without key players. We're without Daniil Hunter. We're without Anthony Barr. Um, so two pretty key players on our defense that probably would make this defense look somewhat adequate if they were in the game, but they're not, and we're just uh, not that good anymore. And... Yeah, Speaking of Daniil Hunter, I heard earlier today on the Twitter machine that Daniel Hunter is in the Big Apple getting his neck looked at to get a second opinion on it, and this whole thing went from, oh, it's, it's just a tweak, said Mike Zimmer in training camp Zoom press conferences, to now, we're at week four, he's still not off IR, and now he's getting a second opinion, so... Honestly, Daniil, just just take the season off. We'll see you next year and uh, hopefully with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. Who knows?
1: Yeah, we'll see you next year, Daniil, with uh, Yannick Pearson, Daniil, leading that front seven, and that'll be a completely different story on the the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, there's just really no real reason for him to come back at this point. Um, You basically said everything I can say about it. And about Zimmer – I love his no-bullshit kind of, you know, the way he is when we're winning. Yeah. But my God, is it frustrating right, it's frustrating right now when we're losing. I'm just – just kind of everything he's saying about the season right now is kind of rubbing me the wrong way. Um, like he, uh, Chris Thomason and Mike Zimmer have an infamous feud with each other, but Chris Thomason <laughs> was asking him a question about the defense and how we've led up the most points in Vikings history through the first three <laughs> games – and Zimmer just shut him up basically and didn't answer the question. And I'm sorry, like I want to hear him react to that stuff. I want to, I want to hear that he actually cares, you know? Like I'm sure he does care, but I actually want to hear it from his mouth and from <laughs> his, from the way he goes about it. Just makes me seem like he thinks it's not a, like it's not a big deal or like something like that. I'm like, it is a big deal. It's it's abysmal. So good God, that's all I got to say about that. Now, do you want to move on to the the Texans game?
0: Yeah, we can preview that, but I'll throw in one zing on Mike Zimmer. It must must be nice having a fresh contract extension. Otherwise, the seat would probably feel a little bit warmer. But after that, I I digress. So, uh, yeah, we we play Houston this week. They're 0-3. We're 0-3. It's at Houston. So this team on the road so far, 0-1. They probably played their worst game of the season on the road at indianapolis now they go travel into houston played deshaun watson very athletic quarterback which i think is going to frustrate a lot of people on the vikings defense he's going to extend plays and keep plays alive and i don't think the pass rush will be that good and then the secondary is probably going to feel the effects of that and not be able to cover as long and Deshaun should have a field day against this defense. So that's where I'll begin with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's going to be another shootout, potentially higher scoring than last week's game because the Texans' defense is worse than the Titans', mm-hmm. and the Vikings' defense is much worse than probably any team that the Titans have, or the Texans have played. Right. So, Good God, you bring up the the whole Deshaun Watson scrambling. That is going to hurt our cornerbacks. I'm playing Brandon Cooks in fantasy this week. It's going to be a big offensive day for both teams. And we'll have to see whose defense can be worse. I mean, the Texans have had an awful defense. The Vikings have had an awful defense. (laughs) It's really going to come down. I think I think the Vikings have gotten slightly better, not a lot better, but slightly better on defense every week, and I can't say the same about the Texans. They have a lot of just veterans who aren't very good anymore on their team, and they aren't probably going to get any better. Um, I think that – I don't want to pick a winner yet, and I do yeah. kind of think that the Vikings may lose, but from a may defensive lose. side of things, I think the Vikings may may have a slight edge, the slightest edge ever, though.
0: Mm. Well, I believe the Texans are going to start letting fans into the stadium this week. So I I think I heard 13,000 fans are going to be allowed at uh, Houston Stadium for this Sunday. So that might give them a little bit of extra mojo heading into this matchup that the Vikings have yet to experience. But that's because we can't ever let fans in U.S. Bank Stadium for this season, I guess. I don't really know what's going on there moving forward, but hopefully at some point we'll get fans in our stadium. But off of that tangent, I think uh, the offense going into this week should take hopefully another step forward. I want to see more more Dalvin let Cook cook, and I uh, want to see more Justin Jefferson keep throwing him the ball, keep targeting him. Maybe, just maybe, Gary Kubiak, uh, if he could get Irv Smith involved in the passing game a little bit more, throwing the ball a little bit. And that's pretty much all I have for the offense. That's really what I want to see. And hopefully the offensive line can take a step towards looking confident. But based off what I've seen the first three weeks of the season, I'm just, I just can't really be too confident in that.
1: Yeah, Dalvin Cook should have another huge game because we're going up against apparently the worst rushing defense in the league. Dalvin Cook had 181 yards last week. Mm-hmm. He probably won't have that many this week, but I'm definitely – it's in the cards for well over 100 yards for Dalvin. Absolutely. And honestly, like like I said, it's so hard for me to pick the Vikings, but I <laughs> these are two bad teams, man. And just I think time of possession with Dalvin Cook running the ball – should give the Vikings a slight advantage. Right. But I'm not getting my hopes up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh another thing to note about this matchup, so the Texans have played three really good teams up to this point. Teams that I would say are more likely than not going to the playoffs. So they played Kansas City week one. Then they played Baltimore Week 2, and then they played Pittsburgh Week 3. Like I said, all three should be playoff teams at this at the end of this year. Pittsburgh might be a little up in the air, but the other two definitely should be. And then the Vikings, people kind of say, like, oh, well, the Vikings just stink, and they haven't played anybody, and they still lose. Well, here's the reality. So they played Green Bay. Green Bay's 3-0. They played Indy. Indy's 2-1. And And then they played Tennessee. They're 3-0. So the combined records for each of these teams' opponents is both 8-1 up to this point. So somebody's got to win this game. I just don't really know who. It's such a toss-up. This is probably even more of a toss-up than the Tennessee-Minnesota game, which I didn't really expect to be a toss-up. But given that the Texans are 0-3... They found ways to lose, much like the Vikings have. It's basically a battle of who wants to win this more.
1: Yeah, it's. I will agree that the Titans or the Texans have had a slightly harder schedule. Obviously, the Ravens and the and the the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, very formidable. the The Steelers. People kind of think they might be slightly fraudish right now because of their opponents that they played. Mm-hmm. But. That being said like you said the Vikings played the Packers potentially a Super Bowl team they look incredible yeah you saw we played we played the Colts kind of similar they're kind of similar more to Pittsburgh I'd say where you know they could go somewhere maybe maybe not mm-hmm. and then we have the Titans NFC or AFC uh they made the NFC champion AFC championship sorry yeah and uh They beat the Ravens and the the Patriots last year, so they're definitely a formidable team. Right, Like you said, I I completely agree it's going to come down to who really wants it more, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, which one of these defenses is going to make the other team punt more than the other, because that's really what it's going to come down to.
0: Pretty much, yeah, so um, with all that said, should we make a pick here and with the pick, we'll pick the winner of the game as well as a score. It's always more fun when you have a score involved.
1: Definitely, I'll, I can start. <laughs> yeah, I've already it. hinted to it and basically said I think the Vikings are going to win this just barely. I'm mm. um, just because I think Dalvin Cook will control, will have the ball more than the the Texans, mm-hmm. and I think that. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are poised have another really good game. I think the scores will be even higher than last week. I think it'll be Vikings win something like 38 to 35.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I think the Texans are going to win 30 34 Vikings 30. So the Vikings score 30 again and it's just not going to be enough. That's my prediction. But, yeah, I mean, I like you said, I kind of echo your sen- sentiments as far as Thielen and Jefferson. They both have pretty good matchups this week. If you have them in fantasy football, you probably start both of them. Maybe not Jefferson yet because given he's a rookie and he's had one good game out of his first three out the gate, you might be a little bit more hesitant. But most people, I think, probably picked Adam Thielen fourth, fifth round, given him a wide receiver two grade or a reliable flex play week in and week out, and he hasn't produced as much um, as he usually does, I would say, through the first three weeks. The last couple of weeks have been a little bit rough. Only thing that really salvaged his fantasy week last week was the touchdown, but other than that, hasn't done too much. I think he gets back on track here, though, so We'll see how everything plays out, but I'm still on the tank for Trevor bandwagon. I don't ever say that I hope the Vikings lose, but I just don't really see them winning this one. But hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe this season is still salvageable. I believe Um, back in 2018, so another stat for you. So the Texans started out 0-3 in 2018. And then they went on to win nine in a row and finish the season 11-5, and five, won the AFC South, but they lost to the Colts in the wildcard round that year. So that was the last year the Colts had Andrew Luck. But just want to put a little context behind it. The season could still turn around feasibly, but this might be the only one that we get that – is in the first half of the schedule. This might be the most winnable game because next week we got at Seattle in prime time, which is gonna be embarrassing. But other than that, hopefully this is the one that we can get.
1: Yeah, if if there's any hope to turn the season around, which I don't have much, (laughs) you have to win this game by a pretty wide margin, which again, I don't see happening because you wanna be on a roll feeling good heading into that Seattle game. And then you have to beat the Falcons, and then things start to lighten up a little bit, just a little. Yeah, like, you need to destroy the Texans. If I'll need to see that if there's going to be any hope, because if we like, if like both of us are predicting a close game, um, if we're going to get rocked by Seattle, I'll have no confidence. I don't have confidence now, and uh, like like I'm just saying, if uh, if it's a close game, I will still have no confidence in us beating. Seattle, or even making that a close game.
0: Yeah, pretty much. So, I guess what we could do now is basically segue into our predictions for the rest of the NFL going into week four. So, to start out... Sounds good to me. Yeah, so... Thursday Night Football featured the Broncos starting Brett Rippian at quarterback, which I think is their third string quarterback at this stage of things, and they ended up pulling it out against the New York Jets, although the Jets just have no fuel this year. They have literally nothing, and they are now 0-4. They're probably in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes as well, which is... It's kind of sad for Sam Darnold. I do think he's got a little bit of ability. I just think he's with a terrible organization. And I would never wish that upon Trevor Lawrence. I hope he's in purple and gold in the 2021 season, but that is yet to be seen. So Broncos beat the Jets Thursday night football, get their first win of the season. So they're a leg up in the uh, sweepstakes for the first overall pick. The, that being the Jets. The Broncos have distanced themselves a little bit from that. Socially distanced, if you will. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if... This is why I can't get fully really on board the tank for Trevor train, because <laughs> the Jets have just proven to be so bad. It just yep. seems really, really hard to get that number one overall pick when they're as bad as they are. I mm-hmm. agree with Sam Darnold. He's... Uh, Wasting away under Adam Gates In that organization Mm. Just abysmal And yeah I mean I think It's going to be really hard to out lose them So I'm not surprised That they got destroyed By a horrible team It just (laughs) proves how horrible they are
0: Well, not only that, but I also heard the Jets put out a statement basically saying Adam Gase is the head coach for the rest of the season. And when you're putting out statements like that in week four, you know your season's not going to go anywhere. But anyway, (laughs) I digress. So, yeah. yeah, Now we got for the noon kickoff games, we got the New Orleans Saints – Going up to the Motor City to take on the Detroit Lions, who are also off the schneid, no longer winless. They are 1-2 heading into it, hosting New Orleans, and the Saints might be getting Michael Thomas back this week. So that definitely adds a missing element in their offense that the Saints now coming off two losses in a row at Las Vegas, and then they lost on Sunday night football to the Green Bay Packers. So they've lost two in a row. Both these teams are one and two. One of them is going to get their second win of the season. And I'm going to say New Orleans Saints, if Michael Thomas plays.
1: Michael Thomas has actually been ruled out already as of oh, today, a couple hours ago. So No kidding. So I think the Saints, yeah, no kidding. So. I think the Saints without Michael Thomas are a bottom 10 team in the league and just because Drew Brees can't push the ball downfield anymore and he doesn't have a God-slant route receiver for him. <laughs> so I think the fact that if the to- Detroit beat most other teams in the league, I would have si- still say the Saints would win, but the fact that they beat the Cardinals who looked red hot going into that game yeah, and the fact that the Saints still don't have Michael Thomas, I'm I'm actually going to give it to the Lions. Surprisingly.
0: Wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with the Saints, but this could go either way, knowing that Michael Thomas is officially out. And like you said, Detroit probably pulled the upset of the week last week, p- beating Arizona. I was pretty high on the Cardinals going into that game. I was really surprised that they lost to the Lions, but maybe the Lions are a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. But we'll see on Sunday. So... Yes, we will. Next up, we have the LA Chargers going down to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. So that's kind of a long trip for the Chargers east to West or West Coast down to the east coast of Florida. And the Chargers are kind of starting to show that they really aren't much of a team and now they have to play a rookie quarterback, given Tyrod Taylor's punctured lung, but that just uh, basically expedited the inevitable, in my opinion. They were eventually going to transition to Justin Herbert at quarterback. They haven't looked too good in their last couple games. They lost to the Panthers last week, and I, I actually picked the Chargers, I'm pretty sure. thought the Chargers had some momentum going into it. Based off what I saw that against Kansas City the week before, they played them pretty tough, but didn't get it done. I don't think they get it done against the Buccaneers, who are going to be without Chris Godwin this week. But I still think they have enough to get it done.
1: Yeah, I think the Bucs are going to win slightly. You know I'm not very high on the Bucs. Um, it's really going to come down to Justin Herbert and whether or not he can take the next step, which is pretty early. He's looked good, but he's looked like a rookie, making those rookie mistakes. If he can eliminate some of those rookie mistakes, like taking 20-yard sacks and stuff like that, <laughs> I think he could potentially pull an upset here. But I just don't think that's going to happen in his third career game. So I'm going to give it to the Bucks as well. All right.
0: Rolling with the Bucks. So next up we got the Jaguars going to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. So this is probably one of the lower tier games of the week, I would say. But I'm going to go with the Bengals on this one. They're, They're at home. They're due for a win. They tied last week with the Eagles, which was kind of amazing to me how they managed to do that. They just Kind of like the Vikings have found ways to not win games, but I do think that they find a way to win this one.
1: Uh, I don't. This one's a toss-up for me because Joe Burrow looked really good in that. I mean, he looked really good for a rookie, mm-hmm. making some pretty crazy plays actually. Um, and if he keeps getting better and gets to start to starting to look like that college self from last year, uh, I think he could potentially. Destroy the Jaguars, but I don't think he's there yet. Yeah, it's going to be a really close game. The Jaguars have looked formidable in all of their games. Uh, they've they've all been pretty close, so I'm going to give it slight edge again to the Jaguars.
0: Yeah, well, I was I was surprised last week that the Jaguars lost to the Dolphins. I was, although I did predict that, I wasn't necessarily expecting it. However. Yeah, the Dolphins beat the Jaguars thirty-one to thirteen. So I don't know if that's as close of a game as you thought it was,
1: but yeah, I, I did not, I did not know that. So yeah. I didn't fall because, like you said, it's a low-tier game. The Jaguars are a low-tier team. I didn't really care. So yeah, yeah the fact they lost to the Dolphins that badly,
0: I'm gonna go ahead and pick the Bengals. <laughs> All right, we're both on the Bengals. So next up, we got. Seattle making a similar trip to the Chargers. They're going down to Miami to take on the Dolphins, who just got their first one of the season. They have had a little bit more time to prepare, given that they played on Thursday last week. However, Russell Wilson's just playing at a level that I don't even think I've seen him play before, just throwing like four to five touchdowns every single week like it's nothing. I just... I don't see the Dolphins having any plan that's good enough to stop stop Russell Wilson who I have as my MVP front runner right now. So easy to pick the Seahawks in this one.
1: Yeah, there's really nothing more to say. The Dolphins will likely get blown out here. Russell Wilson's going to have another amazing game. I go Seahawks.
0: All right. Next up we have the Browns going down to Dallas to take on the Dallas Cowboys and the Cowboys, they lost a pretty close game last week at Seattle. And the Browns took care of business against the Washington football team. So the Browns are actually 2-1 and one heading into this game. And that's probably the first time they've had a winning record going into week three. Probably in the last decade or two. However, with Dallas, they do have a pretty good offense. They've looked really good. Dak Prescott's just dialed in right now. Zeke's doing his thing, and I don't think Baker Mayfield has the firepower to keep up with what Dak Prescott's going to show on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't think so either. I mean, you have OBJ, who I I just refuse to believe OBJ's just suddenly got as bad as he's been <laughs> with the Browns. I think it falls on Baker Mayfield a little bit. So, yeah, I'm picking the Cowboys, here. Like you said, their offense has been on fire lately. Their defense not so great, but it'll be good enough to overtake the Browns.
0: For sure. So Cowboys on that one. And next up we got the Arizona Cardinals going to Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers. So last week Panthers barely pulled out against the Chargers and the Cardinals are coming off their first loss of the season. So a little bit of humble pie, I think, for the high-flying Cardinals that may have been a little bit overconfident going into last week against Detroit at home. I think they get it right on the road this week, and I think they beat the Panthers pretty handedly in this one.
1: I I have no reason to believe what I'm about to say. No, Nothing to really back up why I think the Panthers are going to win. For some reason, I just have a feeling they are. So, Mm. for some reason, I'm going to go
0: Panthers on this one. Maybe it's got something to do with Teddy B. I don't know. (laughs) He just wins, man. (laughs) He's won once so far this year. but uh, Going forward here, we got the Indianapolis Colts going into Chicago to take on an undefeated Bears team who is now – switch quarterbacks going from Mitchell Trubisky Ponder to Nick Foles. And last week, Nick Foles kind of produced some Philadelphia like magic from the days of it's always sunny in Philadelphia when he was with that city. Now he's in Chicago producing similar results, uh, managed to make the Falcons collapse for what I think is probably the 10th or 15th time in a row. But, uh, Yeah, they came back, got the win, switched to Foles. Colts looked pretty good last week, although it's hard to not look good against the Jets. So, yeah, I mean, they had the Vikings and the Jets back to back and they spanked both of them. So this might be one of those games that either makes Chicago look sort of legit or it could legitimize the Colts if the Colts go in on the road and beat the Bears. So... I think we're going to see if some, someone's going to look like a fraud here. It's either going to be the Colts or the Bears, and I'm going to go. I think the Colts are going to pull this one out.
1: Yeah, I think I think Nick Foles starting the season on the bench was a conspiracy because, because everybody knows that Nick Foles is only good when he's coming off the bench. So they, need to like, they needed to give him that backup rule <laughs> and then put him in when things aren't going well and they knew he'd be on fire. But in all seriousness, I think the Bears went from frauds to legit, potentially, now that Nick Foles is at QB. And poor Allen Robinson, man. The dude's <laughs> career thus far has been wasted by, oh, my God, what was his – Blake Bortles. Been wasted by Blake Bortles and then Mitch Trubisky. Now I think he has <laughs> a quarterback that can actually throw the ball downfield. I think we'll see a very big uptick from this offense –
0: And I think the Colts might get exposed here. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so you go Bears, I go Colts. Is that what we're doing? Yep. All right. Put it on the board. Next up, we got the Ravens coming off their first loss of the season uh, to Kansas City on Monday Night Football. They go into Washington to basically a road trip here, Baltimore to Washington D.C. to take on the Washington football team, who after the one and zero start, they've kind of been falling back to earth and been the team that we thought they were. To quote De- the late Denny Green, and uh, now we got Baltimore coming off a loss. They're angry. They're they're pissed off. They're gonna be. Primed to beat up on Dwayne Haskins and this Washington football team, Lamar's gonna go off. This this is gonna be a route. Baltimore's just gonna obliterate everything in its path for like probably the next three weeks.
1: Yeah, like you said, Baltimore's got someone to prove now after that absolutely pathetic offensive performance against the Chiefs. The 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 Reds. Uh, sorry, the Washington football team has basically entered the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes after that first win against the Eagles. And I I agree. I think this will be a route. Yeah. All right.
0: For the Ravens. <laughs> Too easy to pick that one. Next up, we got the Giants going across the country out to California to take on the LA Rams. So, well, the Giants. Wow. They... I feel bad for the state of New York this year. I mean, not only with everything they got with COVID, but their football teams are even worse. Like, wow, the Jets and the Giants. You you just can't hang your hat on either one of them this year. So needless to say, I think the Rams, they're coming off their first loss of the year to Buffalo. They're at home now. They're ready to win a game again. And I think Jared Goff is going to go off on this Giants secondary and hopefully Robert Woods can get a piece of the action in that one because he's on my fantasy team that'd be great
1: (laughs) yeah Aaron Donald is gonna have himself a day against the worst O-line in the league Uh, so yeah you said basically everything the Rams are gonna destroy this horrible horrible Giants team I feel so bad for Daniel Jones who just you watch him play, like that last drive that the Vikings had that we absolutely roasted the O line for. That's <laughs> Daniel Jones back there every single play, every oh, single man. play. It's it is absurd to watch how bad they are. So yeah, just because Aaron Donald alone against that that O line is going to win the Rams
0: this game, let alone every other reason that the Rams are going to win. Yep, pretty much. So now we got the 325 game or two of i guess there's two of them this week but uh we got the patriots going into arrowhead to take on the kansas city chiefs and i think this game has got actually some potential to be a lot closer than it may look on paper but i think the patriots keep it interesting for most of the game just with the attack they have formulated so far with cam newton they've really built this offense around him and it's very easy to see that they're showcasing his running ability and he's making some throws here and there when he needs to so they'll they'll be in the game throughout the whole game I just think that the Chiefs are going to be a little bit too much for them and they're going to score a little bit more than the Patriots will and I'll take the Chiefs yeah I think the Chiefs these past
1: two years have just had the most dominant offense, maybe ever. Yeah. But their defense hasn't been very good. Those two years, they've been they've been average. They haven't been great. Mm-hmm. But now I think they finally have a great defense to match that absurd offense. Yeah. Uh, I think I think they're definitely going to the Super Bowl uh, again, potentially yeah. repeating. So I'm definitely gonna give it to the Chiefs. I agree. It could be interesting. We just have to see how Cam Newton can be in the passing and the running game. He's going to have to be that dual threat QB this week if he's going to want to stand a chance, if the Patriots are going to want to stand a chance, right. keep, uh, keep that Chiefs defense on their toes a little bit. But then again, we did just see the Chiefs absolutely shut down Lamar Jackson. Right. So I think I don't think it's going to be as close as you think it is. But, so I'm, I'm going to go Chiefs and something like a – A 35-15-14 type of game. Wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just say it's going to be closer than people think because I just have a very high confidence level in Bill Belichick and the game plans that he brings to the table week in and week out. It's almost unheard of to see the Patriots ever get blown out. And I kind of thought this year might have changed things a little bit now that they don't have Brady in the fold, but... They've been in every ball game they've played up to this point, hence the 2-1 and one record, but they haven't faced a team quite as good as Kansas City. I mean, they did play Seattle, who I think is my Super Bowl favorite coming out of the NFC, but I think that the Chiefs, they're basically like the Golden State Warriors of the NFL at this point. They just have this high-flying offense that nobody knows how to stop, so... It's gonna definitely test Belichick on this one, so definitely, yeah. Moving on, we're we've got the Buffalo Bills going to Viva Las Vegas to take on the Vegas Raiders. So Bills three and zero undefeated. Josh Allen looks like the second coming of Jim Kelly in Buffalo, and the Raiders one and two. They had that one. Or no, are they two and one or one and two? I don't even know. They're, I I believe they're one and two. Wait, no, they they beat the Panthers week one and then they beat the Saints oh, week two. Yeah, they're two and one. Okay, oh, so yes, they are two and one. All right then. But they haven't played a team quite as good as the Bills. I think are this year. I think the Bills are pretty legit. Probably the favorites in the AFC East. Unless I think the Patriots will probably give them a run at their money. But we'll see how the Patriots move on as the season progresses. But for right now, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) They look amazing.
1: Josh Allen has – he's become what everyone wanted him to be. I don't think anyone really thought he was going to be great coming into his first season because you saw him. Like, his mechanics were very, very questionable. But now he's got all that stuff down – and his arm arm has been met with uh, the mechanics that we wanted to see from him. Mm -hmm. So now he can put that massive arm of his to use, and we've seen it, and he's been nothing less than incredible this season.
0: The Bills are
1: a very good team, and they're probably going to handedly beat the Raiders.
0: Yeah, and especially since they added Stephon Diggs to that offense, it's just taken things to a whole new level as far as the Bills passing offense is concerned, and it's kind of amazing what what happens when you take a quarterback who has the raw talent and you hand him a true number one, like Stephon Diggs has proven he still is, and beautiful things are happening in Buffalo, so I think it keeps going in week four, and Next up, we have the Sunday night matchup, which is probably the worst one of the season thus far. We have the Eagles going to San Francisco to take on a Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick bosa 49ers team. So, they do get a little bit of help, though. They get George Kittle back into the fold this week. And I don't know about Garoppolo. I think he might play this week. Maybe not, but... So far, I'm going to lean no, so even without that, I I just don't think the Eagles are really that good this year. 0-2-1, they couldn't put away a Bengals team at home when they basically had that game on a silver platter, plattered up for them, and they still found a way to tie the game. So going on the road to San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan's a much better coach than Zach Taylor probably ever will be. And I think the 49ers, with George Kittle back in that offense, they find a way to squeak this one out.
1: Yeah, I don't – this won't be a game that I'll be watching. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I might tune in just to see, like, a quarter of it, but the Eagles are just awful. And I, I was so happy when I'd seen all the Eagles' reactions on Twitter when Justin Jefferson was going off last week. What a mistake <laughs> by them. Holy crap. And I love seeing that because I hate the Eagles, and they're going to lose, <laughs> regardless who's playing QB.
0: Yeah, they, they might be calling for Jalen Hurts by week eight if the season continues to go downhill in Philly. But yep. next up, we got the Falcons going up to Green Bay to take on an undefeated Green Bay team. And I hate to say it, but the Packers look legit this year. They went down to New Orleans, got the win, won their first two games, and before that, basically, Aaron Aaron Rodgers taking out his revenge on everybody after getting a quarterback drafted in the first round when he was still on the team with three years left on his contract. Uh, I think he's trying to send a message this year, basically like, hey i'm still Aaron Rodgers and i'm still going to win a lot of games so i think that continues this week the falcons 0 and 3 have epically collapsed the last two weeks and i think week 1 they were re- not really in the game that they were in i can't remember who they played but 0 and 3 they look like a very poorly coached team they just don't really know how to play to win and I- I don't think they're going to get it right against Green Bay because Green Bay, like I said, is just firing on all cylinders right now. It's a little disappointing to see, given that we're Vikings fans, but got to acknowledge it when it's actually happening.
1: Yeah, the Packers right now are my actual favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. Wow. I agree with everything you said about Aaron Rodgers. He's he doesn't even have De- Devonte Adams in the roster or in the lineup right now and he's still just demolishing teams to the air. Uh who are they playing? I'm sorry. Oh, the Falcons. Right. The yeah. Falcons. Yeah, the Falcons. They could be up 30 to 0 at halftime and I'd still not have confidence in them beating Green Bay cuz they have shown to monumentally collapse the past 2 weeks. And I don't even think that's going to happen. I think they'll be behind the entire game. For the most part, maybe if they get the ball first, they'll get a touchdown. But after that, I think Green Bay is in a cruise to
0: victory. Yeah, Green Bay, four and zero out the gate. That's probably going to position them to compete for the NFC North, if not just run away with it. I think the Bears, are, at some point, they're going to fall down back to earth, and Green Bay is just probably going to keep sailing along pretty smoothly, and. Yeah, that pretty much wraps it up for our week four picks and wraps up this episode. So, always good to talk ball with you, and we'll be back hopefully next week for more. And that's pretty much all we got for this episode. You guys know what to do. Uh, Follow us on the Apple Podcasts, the Spotify, uh, Google Play Music. I think that's what it's called. And I even put this on Amazon Music now. So we're, we're just worldwide over here. And you can follow us on the Twitter machine, the Facebook, Instagram. I might start doing like Q&A on Instagram or something a little bit different on that. And yeah, we'll we'll see. We got to keep people engaged on this platform. Keep it growing. And yeah, got any final thoughts for the people?
1: Uh, hopefully, I'm just <laughs> excited to see Justin Jefferson play again. I, You know how big of a fan I was of him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I wanted the Vikings to draft him, and I felt very validated when he went off last week. So, yep, go Justin Jefferson. Skull.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Skull Vikes, and we'll see you on the next episode of the BSC Pod.